Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, Internet, and welcome to the Engadget podcast. I'm senior editor Devinder Hardwar. Our normal host, managing editor Terrence O'Brien, is uh, lost in a bar this week. Just many, many bars. Yes. But uh, I have a good roundup of uh, editors here. So why don't we go around the table? Let's introduce ourselves. Hi, uh, Nathan Ingram, senior editor at Engadget, and I'm really missing Uncle Terry today. Not going to lie. Poor Uncle Terry. Yeah. I'm Sherlyn Lowe, reviews editor, and I'm super stoked that Terrence isn't here. Ooh. <laughs> super happy. So mean. Not at all. I'm just kind. <laughs> Um, everyone out there knows me. I am Dana Wallman, managing editor, and I am delighted to be doing both my work and Uncle Terry's work. <laughs> Dana this is week. writing a post as we're recording. As we're recording. So. I'm actually Super finishing a, a review um, coming soon to okay. engage it. Keep your eyes peeled. To be yeah. Screw you, Terry. So many reviews wow. this month. Huh? Jeez. <laughs> okay, let's go to our first segment uh, Flame Wars, which is our sort of like debate section. Uh, just two people taking positions on uh, some of this week's news. Uh, but the first one, Google's Allo messaging app. Uh, do we need another messaging app? What the heck is going on here, guys? Could you break it down for us? Yeah, so it's going to be me and Sherlyn today. So look out. I already okay. gave up on this segment. So <laughs> I know I'm going to lose. Well, that's a good attitude. Anyway, uh, all right. Uh, I'm pro Allo. I got to use it for about a week, and I really thought that the Google Assistant brought in stuff that no other messaging app has. It's not fully baked yet, like a lot of Google things when they launch, but it's got potential to have be a killer feature that other apps don't have. All right, good time, Nate. Oh, also, after 20 seconds, I will I will just hit this buzzer sound. I'm not gonna let it's you our, use it's that. It's our best sound effect yes. in our high budget yep. uh, podcast <laughs> creation tool right here. It's not even the best. We it's so great. It's pretty good. It's yeah, pretty great. It's okay, so that's I okay. I hear you, Nate. Uh, what do you what do you say about this, Sherlyn? I used Allo for a week as well yeah. with Nate, and uh, no, none of my friends are there except Nate, and I, it was awful. It was <laughs> terrible. That's the thing is you need people to use the app for it to take off, and I don't think that Allo really will because there's so many messaging apps out there right now. You guys. So, yeah. so that's, that's a super fair point, but I'll respond to that saying that Google is actually doing something interesting to sort of uh, decrease the friction to getting started with Allo. Devinger and I actually tested this out earlier. So if you're on iOS, at least, you, you just pulls up your contact list, and you can hit uh, contact name and send them a message, and it actually delivers that message via SMS. So not just, like, sending a, like, oh, please install this app to try it out thing. It actually says, like, here's what I said, and you can reply on your phone, and I'll get it. So you can actually go from Allo to SMS and back, 
Uh, so then at a certain point, you know, Devinder can install it if he wants to, but he's not going to miss the conversation if for some reason I... Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Although but, I, I found it funny. I signed up for the app. The conversation I was having with Nate didn't show up in Allo. And if it was going to be really mm. smart, I, I feel like that should carry over too, right? The thing is, that sounds like... I'm sorry. That sounds like... Uh, <laughs> Talking to Android user on iMessage, right? It's like mm. you'll still get the message. It's a green bubble instead of a blue one, and you won't get all the features. You won't have right. the stickers. It won't be as fun. So what's the point then? The point is to get started on getting people over to the app. It's better than nothing, I would say. Mm-hmm. No? Mm-hmm. Nate, I want you to back nothing. up on one thing, which yeah. is that when you were writing this story and mm-hmm. I was editing it, um, I first saw the phrase the Google Assistant with the use of the word the. <laughs> and it, it's, you sounded a bit funny, Duddy. I didn't, you sounded a little bit like, um, I don't know, some sort of low tech person. <laughs> but that's well, actually the real name, right? Yes. Yeah, so they call it. You yeah, have to call it the Google to, Assistant. This is introduced to Google I.O. It's called the Google Assistant. Uh, it, <laughs> it doesn't have another name, doesn't have like a Siri or Cortana like, proper name. It's called Google Assistant. Or the Google Assistant. It does sound a little fuddy-duddy, doesn't it? Now that I'm saying it out loud. But that also speaks to how fuddy-duddy the Google Assistant was during our testing of it. Like, it wouldn't take a joke. It wasn't, the, like, you would feedback on its comments. I thought it was comments. pretty good. It was good, but it was didn't have the sass that Siri has. It wasn't like... That's maybe fair. have Sherlyn's yeah. sass, so... Well, no one can have Sherlyn's yeah. sass. Let's be uh, We decided this week while we were testing it that Sherlyn's uh, favorite phrase is just ugh. Because that's what the auto-reply would suggest for her constantly, <laughs> just like, ugh. And I think it might be a reflection of how we were feeling about the app, perhaps. It may also be, I think it's just reading your texting history, too, probably, right? So that's how Sherlyn responds to everything. It learns, yeah, it learns from... Don't know me so well, guys. It learns from the messages you send to suggest uh, replies, not just in... Mm-hmm. It tries to, like, learn your voice, like, what you might say. So. Okay, so that's one of the cooler features that it suggests responses within texts for you. But during our testing, it didn't seem to be really that useful. All it did was give one-word responses, like, ha. Ugh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I could type that myself. It's three letters. I don't really need to. So I, if one of your like big selling points is not all that useful, I don't see why people are going to adopt it. I don't see how you're going to draw okay. people. So Google. Dana, where, where are you weigh in on all of this? Because yeah. you have to decide who wins this debate. I'm willing to revisit. I, I think for now I need to side with Sherlyn. Um, oh. Just because it, it would seem that the Google Assistant is less smart in practice yeah. than, um, <laughs> than Google, would, Google would claim. But I'm willing to revisit if over time the Assistant becomes, more, uh, becomes smarter. Right, and that's a fair point. But whatever, I win! Also, Dana today told me before we started this uh, recording that she's sitting on the side of her favorite child. Well, but she's... Is that me? She, no, What's, on Nate's side of the table. Um, the, my, Nate is the child. The okay. top two of my, my top two favorites of, of three. Your whole flock of children. I, she's sitting, she's flanked by her top two favorite of the three people that are yes. here on this podcast. So you're podcast. on the outs. Basically, Mother Dana Woolman. Yes. She hates me. I just didn't want to sit but next to the black But she just awarded sheet. you a point, so... Oh, yes, yeah. there you go. But I gave you a point. Yeah. But Threw that you means you're not going to award me any more points. Is there anything else that you want to bring up something around this, Dana? Um, no, actually. Okay. All right. Let's All move right. on yep. to macOS Sierra. Uh, that's coming. Is that this week? Um, it, it came out. Came out this came week. Out? Okay. It came out on Tuesday, and I mm-hmm. reviewed it. So I have thoughts, but I'll let you guys yes. so duke it out. It, is it a good upgrade? Is it a minor upgrade? Uh, let's uh, let's hear the pro side first, Nathan. Yeah. So I think as with all uh, macOS updates. 
They're all pretty good, like Dana said in her review, there's no reason not to upgrade. But I think that a lot of things people might consider minor actually will make a big difference day to day. Like that's kind of the story of Mac OS updates in my opinion. Uh, I think that the photos improvements are really good. Apple Music is way better now. Uh, iCloud backing up your entire desktop and uh, documents folder, I think will probably save a lot of people from losing data. Wow. Yes. I got the buzz. I got to hit it. Okay. Well, those are my main points. So all right, all right. over to Sherlyn. Go Sherlyn. First of all, iClouds um, backing up your entire desktop would force more people to pay more money for iCloud storage, <laughs> right? So I don't like that. And then second of all, a lot of the features still don't really work really well. I heard, like Dana mentioned, that Siri is not that smart yet, even though I kind of like her. Also, you know, it's an incremental update rather than anything revolutionary. Bye. <laughs> I'm out. You really didn't want to get buzzed, wow. did you? Sherilyn saw my hand inching <laughs> yeah. towards the buzzer button, and then she stopped. Uh, I, Nate, you should probably follow that, too, if you don't want to get buzzed in the future. Watch Just your hands. Yeah. To the Just buzzer hand. I don't mind getting saying? buzzed. <laughs> It's, oh. it's fine with me. Yeah, so Dana, you actually reviewed Sierra. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts to add? Um, so I would say um, I, don't, I didn't find Siri that smart. I mean, Siri can respond to um, single questions in relatively natural language. Um, she has her repertoire. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it has its repertoire. I want to <laughs> feminize it. Yeah. Um, but Siri wasn't always that smart or that helpful. For instance, I could search for movie times but couldn't narrow down the search to, to theaters in my neighborhood, hmm. um, which I would have liked to do. Um, I didn't think, well, now I really like auto-unlock, allowing me to unlock a Mac with my watch, but it took me a long time to set up and between you and me I, I chatted with some other reviewers who were reviewing it at the same time and they also had mm-hmm. problems so it wasn't just me yeah I read uh, a bunch of reviews and that was I had to reset issue. my whole iCloud password wow. to get Oof. it to work which okay, um, is not that user friendly mm-hmm. and then um, Apple Pay on the web is actually pretty cool but just be <laughs> warned it is really conducive to it's dangerous Impulse buys because there are just far fewer confirmation screens at, at, at the per- when you're purchasing to click through. So it's like pay with Apple Pay, boom, like here's all your payment information. You're do you want to confirm this purchase? Like late night but let's be, do you want worse. this $100 pair of Lululemon <laughs> yoga leggings? But let's be clear, that sounds like it's a win because I get so tired of buying things online having sure. to put in all my info over and over again. Like if you're going to buy something online, you might as well Our make it. You probably world. don't have a shopping problem though. <laughs> As someone with a shopping problem, I'd like to chime in. I also, I mean, I already find it easy enough to shop online with Chrome because it stores my passwords. Mm-hmm. I know you're not really supposed to do mm-hmm. that, but it <laughs> already feels it does. And they, they store credit card information now, right. too, and in billing Chrome. information. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's convenient. I wouldn't mm-hmm. argue that what Apple is doing is any more convenient than paying with PayPal or Amazon right. payments. Right. You know, um, yeah. it's a similar deal. But you're, you're signing in with your fingerprint rather than a password, right? So that's nice, aren't you? On the desktop. On the desktop. Does it oh, to confirm so you hit no. the you hit the touch on your phone, right? Right. You could confirm yeah. either on your phone or your Apple Watch. It just has to be an iOS device that okay. was already Apple Pay enabled. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still I have to admit I'm a PC user, and these new features like Universal Clipboard and the optimized. Uh, storage seem really interesting, but they're not enough to win me over. I don't mm-hmm. think. Let's talk about the storage a little bit, just because yeah. my favorite feature in the new upgrade is actually one of the least sexy. Oh, yeah? <laughs> um, it's just that now um, you can, you have to opt into this, but you can have your desktop and documents folder automatically all back up to iCloud, essentially mm-hmm. having your Mac work more like Dropbox. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, as you say, you kind of have to then go all in for the um, the extra iCloud storage, storage. Right? Yeah. but if you do that, it's 
it's convenient. Me personally, I'm paying 99 cents a month for um, my iCloud storage, so it doesn't feel like a big hit. How much is that? How me. much does that get you? 10 gigs? I think it's 50. Yeah, whatever it is. It's, Four it's, bucks gets you 200, which is probably enough for most people to back up their, their desktop. Well, you want yeah. your iPhone space there, too, like ideally. Plus your photo library. Plus, yeah, desktop stuff. Adds up quick. I've, yeah. I've refused. I've, I have, I pay for Google Drive storage, uh-huh. but I refuse to do iCloud. I don't know why. <laughs> well, that makes sense that you don't want to pay mm-hmm. for two platforms at once. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people would agree. Yeah, I pay for all the platforms at once. It's horrible. I have like three music yeah. services. Okay, three so you do have boxes. a shopping problem. I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just for internet services, apparently. Yeah. Stuff. So, Dana, who wins in this battle? I mean, this is really unfair because the whole thesis <laughs> of my review that I wrote was yes. that it's a minor upgrade. So, Sherlyn just happened to tr- oh, agree man. with me. But you not your week. Today too. This is Nate. not your week, Nate. It's totally not. You picked the standpoints today too. I I'm never just going to say that if you're, I'm just going to say if you're somebody who uses a lot of Apple's products, then every Mac OS update is is pretty good. If you ask me, it adds a lot of things. But this that has been work. a lively, smart discussion. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I, I think Nate makes good thing. points. Yeah. Sherlyn is literally yeah. dancing on her chair as she gets this point. So. It doesn't happen all, often, so you know. I always I'll like, let, her let, let the other person I'm arguing with pick the standpoint first, <laughs> like the, the side they want to be on. I think first, I did this last they... time too, so like in the future, I'm not going to yeah. prep at all for yeah. this because it's not working out for me. <laughs> My record is steadily dropping. All right, all right. Final all right. topic: uh, Google's Pixel phones. Uh, yes. We know there's a Google event coming when in two October fourth. October fourth. October fourth. Gotcha. Um, so that's more news for us to prepare for. Yep. But yeah, we've also seen some leaks of these things too. Quite a few. They look. They look pretty, pretty dull and silly. <laughs> I, I don't know, just pretty vanilla at this point. But what do you guys think? Like, does Google have any any chance at making a high end phone work uh, once again? And well, so of, I think before we mm-hmm. kick off the debate, we should note that the rumor we're discussing now specifically yeah. is that they're going to be more expensive than the Nexus phones yeah. have been in the past, starting at six fifty. Which is new branding. Yeah, what branding. the iPhone Seven starts. And at. Pixel has been there. Like Nate, you're rocking the Pixel C for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> uh, Pixel has been their brand for. Since the really Chromebook. expensive hardware yeah. Premium, that yeah. doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> Maybe they should come up with a better name. But uh, yeah, who's who's pro? I'm pro this? on this because Go. I let Nate pick con. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Go for it. So Google has always done really well with the Nexus phones by providing a really pure stock Android experience that people love. And people don't go to the Nexus line just because it's cheap. They want that really good interface that works well with like the hardware. So for the for higher end hardware to come in, we would have better builds and better cameras. That would mean a really good thing for people who are pure Android fans. Woohoo! <laughs> just under the buzzer. Holla. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so on my end, I will say that, yeah, the Nexus phones have always been one of the best bangs for the buck out there in the smartphone mm-hmm. world. And not having that lower cost option, I think, is really going to kind of hurt Google in this case. Uh, it would be a bummer if there was no way to get, like, the really pure stock Android experience for 350 or 400 bucks. Um, and a higher price could mean that even less people try these phones than already are. So I think they might be kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little. So two, th- <laughs> two things. I think that this doesn't mean that they're getting rid of the Nexus line. So you Ooh. might still have the 350 Possible. or 400 dollars yeah. experience yep. with mm-hmm. Android. It just means that they're offering something new and different with the Pixel line. Um, the other thing is, it's nice to have different options to hopefully enjoy Project Fi on. Because mm. I want yes. more Project Fi phones. Sure. That's, all I want. that's a good argument. Ha ha. No, I mean, and I think that you know, as as nice as a lot of the recent Nexus phones have been. It seems like there's always some sort of fatal flaw in them one way or another. Yeah. Although I gotta say the five X and the six P feel like they They're finally good. got the six P. Yeah. Well the price and the pricing mm-hmm. accurately reflects what you get for the device and the six yeah. P at its 
you know, five, I think it starts at 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Like, that's still a lot of good phone for that money. They're fast. They have good displays. The build quality is yeah. good. Well, Their they, camera is still not that great. I mean, the Nexus 6P didn't have a terrible camera. It had really big it's pixel okay. size. Especially it's when okay. you compare it, though, to what Samsung is doing now mm-hmm. and what Apple is doing with the But phone. it doesn't mean that, like, people who want that pure Android should be stuck with a phone that looks bland and isn't altogether the most sexy. I'm, I hate using the word sexy now for phones, but <laughs> no, it's, it's not fine. I mean, but it's also, like, it's 2016. Can phones surprise us anymore? I don't know. Mm. Like, we're a little it's bored a with iPhone question, at this point. Yeah. yeah. That's the bigger question. But anyway, Dana, where where do our contenders stand? Um, I I mostly agree with Nate on this one, I think, that it would be a real shame if if um, the if there were no spiritual successors to the Nexus phones. Mm-hmm. Affordable, mm-hmm. pretty high quality phones that um, didn't cost that much. The only thing I would say is that there are spiritual accessors in other brands like OnePlus. Mm-hmm. True. Um, it, it's interesting now to think about who Google with these phones is really competing with. There are plenty of beautiful high-end options from Samsung, HTC. Mm-hmm. There are lower-cost options from OnePlus. Who am I leaving out? Um, so, the Motorola um, ones are Motos, relatively affordable. Motorola ZTE, and ZTE, Huawei, right. Okay. So um, uh, I, I Maybe think there's a bigger question of mm-hmm. should Google, does Google still need to be doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, is its work here done? And I would say they do. They've been doing vanilla yeah, software the with some of their brands, brands too. So. A, few, a few of their companies, like I think Motorola's is ours pretty clean. But yeah, for the most part, if you want to get fast software updates, actually, exactly. Nexus is the only it's way to go. It's all about the software updates. They're going to be the first to get Android Nougat. Oh, well, V20, mm-hmm. the LG V20 has it, but... That's an exception to the rule. No one's going to buy that. I mean, right. I think for the stock experience alone, Google knows its own software and doesn't. um, (laughs) People prefer that, prefer the stock experience. Sherlyn is just gesturing suggestively at Dana right now, trying to get that third So many gestures. Sherlyn's also making a knife motion across her throat. Pointing at Nate. I don't Stop know what that means. Stop misleading the podcast listeners. I don't know what that means. For the real deal, you should I'm going to say point Nate, but another close call okay. on this one. All right. All right. It's okay. I won overall. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap the debates, guys. Um, time for the open source section, which is, this is uh, just where we talk about some stories we've reported on, uh, kind of give us the background of it. And Nate, you have a really good one because you had to go to <clears throat> Pittsburgh for some, for some reason. I did have to go to Pittsburgh. Last week I was in Pittsburgh to uh, see the unveiling and launch of Uber's self-driving cars. Uh, There's a lot of companies that have been working on self-driving cars, obviously, but Uber's, you can go to Pittsburgh right now and hail an UberX and you might end up getting a self-driving car, Uh, which is pretty crazy. I think that these are actually out on the road and paying customers can use them. Although, actually, if you get a self-driving car, your ride will be free because they're not making people pay for those yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I got to go down there, get an overview of the technology, see the cars, and go for, uh, I was in the car for about an hour riding around Pittsburgh, uh, and it was pretty crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. What was crazy about it was how boring it was. <laughs> well, describe the setup. So sure. you in the passenger seat? No, so I'm in the, I'm in the back seat. Okay. Of a, it's, like a, it's like a Ford sedan, pretty okay. basic car. I'm sitting in the back seat. There's an iPad in the back, which shows a bunch of information on your drive. It shows, uh, you can see sort of the radar view that the car has. Of like, it, It's got a sensor on top and all over the car that, that maps out the world around it. And you can see what it's seeing. You can see the position of the steering wheel. You can see when the brakes are being applied, how fast you're going, what the speed limit is, uh, how far you've driven in autonomous mode. And up front, there's two people, one in the driver's seat, who's your safety driver. He's got his hands on the wheel and his feet over the pedals the whole time. And in the passenger seat is uh, another one of Uber's um, engineers who's got a laptop with more comprehensive data on what's going on. Okay. So these cars can't drive all over Pittsburgh. There's specific routes, even specific lanes that they can be in autonomous mode in. 
Uh, but if you pick a route that I can do autonomously, then it just drives you there. So regular customers are also going to have a human in the front seat? Yes. They're far, far, only far to hold from their hands above the steering well, wheel. Yeah. So, so what's, can you, how would you explain the purpose of that? Mm-hmm. Um, of the person or what they're doing in general? <laughs> right. So, well, what's the purpose of a self-driving car if it needs to be um, chaperoned by a human still? I think that we're just far too early in the mm-hmm. process to let them off the, off the I'd leash. I'd be surprised if they just like let those things loose. Yeah. There's going to be, needs to be a lot more testing and regulations before that can happen. So this is to ease people into it this and is, for public testing. It's to ease people yeah. into it and so the cars can continue to gather more data so Uber can get feedback on how people feel about these drives and so on and so forth. And what's interesting to me in the experience I had was that when the driver had to take over, it wasn't because uh, the situation was unsafe. Mm-hmm. It was because the car didn't properly process what was in front of it. Let me give you an example. Uh, we were driving down a, a one-lane road, pretty narrow, and there was a large tractor-trailer truck pulled over. Uh, the car thought it was a car that was just stopped like it was waiting at a traffic light or something. It doesn't know to go around it, right? It doesn't know that this car is mm-hmm. pulled over, you know, unloading, double parking, et cetera. So the driver to take over and guide the car around this pulled-over tractor-trailer truck. Mm-hmm. So every time a human takes the wheel, that incident is somehow logged and analyzed? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so it knows, it knows obviously, when the driver takes over. Um, and it's recording everything around it so we can kind of process and learn from those experiences. Um, another time we were at a four-way stop sign, and because the car has you know, utmost safety in mind, it is expecting the other cars at the intersection to come to a complete stop before it will <laughs> proceed. But as we all know, nobody actually comes to a complete stop in this world. So you know, cars keep on rolling through the stop signs, and the self-driving car just kind of sits there and waits. So eventually the driver had to like step up and like take his turn there. Yeah. Um, but it was really interesting. I thought it was... Um, yeah, it, it was far uh, less weird than I expected it to be, which is good. You want it to be boring. Mm-hmm. So where do these human chaperones come from? I believe that they are all Uber uh, engineers, I want to say. Okay, so they're not just part of the sharing no. economy the way normal nope. drivers are. Okay. This is a totally like independent separate program. There's not too many cars we out there on the road. If I had to guess, mm-hmm. I'd say it's probably under 30. Did they tell you why Pittsburgh? Why did they like So they opened there? their, so I think they called their Advanced Technologies yeah. Lab, opened in Pittsburgh 18 months ago. Is Carnegie Mellon nearby? That is that's correct. Why. So yeah. that's, that's essentially yeah. why they picked it. Um, there's a lot of startup in, in advanced technology in Pittsburgh right mm-hmm. now. I think owing a lot to the universities and so forth. And uh, they got in there. They've been working on it. And I guess the city itself was very um, friendly to the thought of them getting these cars on the road. So the self-driving cars have been out there mm-hmm. for a good, I think, at least six months now. But just now they're starting to take passengers. And we've seen some, uh, I know the government is talking more about its policies right. around self-driving cars now too, right? That's um, right. Yeah, this so week. We're I think, seeing a lot happening all at once. Yeah, well, I'm sure that the timing of this annou- mm-hmm. the announcement there from the government is coinciding with yeah. what's happening. Um, I think President Obama wrote an op-ed in uh, a Pittsburgh paper about mm-hmm. this specifically, um, just saying that, like, yes, we're going to try and regulate this at a, a government level so each state doesn't have to sort of fight for its own regulations, right? So they're going to try and make it more streamlined so it can roll out across the country. And the, one of the questions I had was, like, where does this program go mm-hmm. for here? And I think if, like, the government can actually make this a thing that's implemented uh, nationwide, it'll be easier for Uber to, you know, take it to another city. Did Uber give you, like, a timeline for when they no, expect really any of this not. to happen? I mean, they're really not talking much about that right now. It, mm-hmm. It's... it's um. There's still a lot of the city that isn't mapped. Like, 
there's a lot to do. So I'm concerned about this, like with the government stepping in with its federal regulations. It seems like people really believe this will take off and, and eventually become a very common thing. What will happen to people who are cab drivers right now? Like, <laughs> will they be displaced? Do you think like that's something that they'll rally against? I mean, they already, yeah, Uber's already caused a lot of that consternation, yeah. right? Uh, I just don't know. Um, I think nobody really knows yet. Uh, but I think it's going to be hard to argue, like, if these cars can be proven that they're safer than human drivers, then that's going to make all the difference, I think. Right. So that means that, like, once, you know, all the safety, you know, requirements are yeah. met, that they could actually replace human drivers and not have right. safety drivers. I mean, first of all, that sounds wonderful to me because I yeah. hate talking to strangers. <laughs> and I don't want to talk to my driver except for, like, go here, go there. Yep. I'm really rude. But, um... <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, I I feel bad for the people who might lose their jobs because I mean, of this. Yeah, with every I guess with every industrial shift like this, right? There's always a wave of people who may lose work or may robots have to and factories. That's yeah. agricultural yeah. revolution altogether. Yeah. But I <laughs> personally Oregon. cannot wait for my self-driving car. I spent the last couple days in Georgia, <laughs> and you just have to drive everywhere there. And thankfully, like my younger brother. He lives there. Chaperoned so you around. Yeah. So he, I mean, he some people just like to drive. Some I'd people like to, like to drive. The thing how. is, drivers are terrible, <laughs> and I can't trust them, and they're responsible for, you know, hundreds of thousands, I think even millions of deaths every year thanks to accidents. So yeah. bring on the robot cars. I think that'll make life a lot better. Yeah, it's going to be a mm-hmm. I think Uber did say their ultimate goal is to be able to have cars picking up people without yeah. a safety driver. I Yeah, I'm not sure if, like, I'm not sure how close we are to that. Like, we were just discussing mm-hmm. that because be it really sounds like, I don't, I don't know that I trust a computer to make decisions in emergency situations. But you trust the computer more than like a New York taxi driver? No, no, no. They're no. terrifying. I, trust, I know they are, but I love, I mean, you love, them. you love them. I love it when my driver like takes risks and is like, <laughs> it's like, I know, like when no. I'm rushing through something and I'm running late, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, why are you in the slow lane? You have right, to overtake. Right. I think it could even be a generational difference. Yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. if we will ever be fully comfortable yeah. being driven by robots, yeah. but our kids and grandkids yeah. might Probably be. be okay. mm-hmm. I think I mean, that, mm-hmm. I was just going to say the friction that I see is going to be when there's a mix of self-driving cars and non-self-driving cars on the road. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to, the, the hard things we be accounting for, you know, yeah. the unpredictability of a human And driver. we're seeing yep. manual cars right now take in some sort of automated technology. Yeah. So there is like crash awareness. There yeah. is like lane adjusts and stuff like that. But uh, let's move on. Um, one more thing I want to talk about. Dana, you've been testing the Apple Watch Series 2. <laughs> How's that going? Um, yeah, I have the big honking 42-millimeter uh, <laughs> It's actually not that big, in version. my opinion. I prefer the 38, yeah, but um, reviewers can't be choosers. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so my review is probably going up today. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you'll notice that the um, I've been taking my time on this. Normally, Engadget may have posted a review earlier. I've been um, really using it to work out mm-hmm. because it's been positioned as a sports watch, and that's kind of what I do. I'm, I'm a marathoner. Yeah. Um, so I've been taking it on runs and trying to really put it through its paces mm-hmm. there. And what's been interesting to me is that on paper, the difference in um, – so backing up, it has built-in GPS yep. tracking, right? So it's supposed to track um, your distance a lot more accurately than the previous model. Mm-hmm. So I've been using it alongside my Garmin Forerunner 225, which I've had two years, in which that thing is huge. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and, and more uh, more importantly, pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I've been using them together, and the actual on paper dif- di- difference in distance is often pretty small. Um, okay. In one run, I did almost four miles. They were off by nine hundredths of a mile, which 
doesn't seem like that much. Um, if I just solve a distance dif differential on paper, I'd say, oh, they're pretty close. But the problem is that um, pace calculation for runners mm -hmm. um, and anyone else interested in speed for whatever sport is contingent contingent on the the distances measured. So even for that run where I was nine hundredths off, um, Apple's watch said um, I was seventeen seconds faster than the Garmin watch huh. did. Okay. And so that that has been troubling to me. I don't yeah. really care about small sort of arbitrary seemingly arbitrary differences in distance, but um, when you tell me I'm 17 seconds faster than I know I am, that's mm -hmm. a little a little frustrating for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, 17 seconds over a full marathon would probably be an eight-minute difference, which yeah. is not nothing, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. definitely. And uh, has Apple said anything about this? Like, will it get more accurate over time or anything, or is this just kind of how it is? I think it's it's how it is. I mean, one of the... Whereas the first watch, it didn't have GPS built in, mm -hmm. and what you had to do was um, take your iPhone with it, and it would sort of use, because it was connected to your iPhone, it would then make use of your iPhone's sensors. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't, I found, it wasn't really a suitable solution. The mm -hmm. results were still pretty far off. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time, Apple said that you could eventually calibrate the watch so that you wouldn't even need to bring your, your phone. Okay. I disagreed with that. I found it was never accurate enough to just leave my phone at home. Here, there's not supposed to be a calibration process. So I'm, my understanding is that the performance out of the box is what, what you, you get for yeah. most sports. So um, I went on the treadmill the other day, and I got a pop-up message that said, you need to do, please do um, 20 minutes of outdoor running before you do an indoor run. By that point, I had done more than 20, so mm -hmm. I figured, so I okay. Um, do you think, I was just going to ask you, do you, think, <clears throat> do you think the new watch is better than the old one, though, in terms of tracking distance accurately? You've had a lot of experience with both of them. It's marginally better, but it's it is um, still not. So here here's where I'm at with the review. It took mm -hmm. me a while to think through this, <laughs> and I, I know that other reviewers agree with me. <clears throat> it's a really good smartwatch mm -hmm. in terms of all the smartwatchy things <laughs> it does. The selection of apps, the um, watch OS three, and I, I know that you agree with me on this is um, a big improvement. Yep. The layout is just more intuitive. The new watch is faster. It's, it requires less swiping and tapping a lot of the time. And it works great as a fitness tracker. So as far as the distance, if I were just a casual walker and wanted to know how many miles I walked each day and I wasn't, wasn't concerned about how fast I was going, that nine, those nine hundredths of a mile wouldn't mm -hmm. bother me. Yep. So I think it's really only an issue for people who are training for events where speed matters. For those people, I, don't think, I still don't think the Apple Watch cuts it. I think you would still want a dedicated sports watch from something like Garmin or Timex. Um, but... If really what you want is a smartwatch that can double as a pretty good fitness tracker, this is is good. Has the heart rate tracking gotten any better? It's I've about, never really had an issue with that. I've personally. never had an issue with it. I mean, I I, th I guess in terms of accuracy, I used to compare it to like one of the other Garmin's or some stuff from Fitbit, and the numbers would at always one point be I was wearing different. both. I was yeah. wearing multiple watches, just a testament. Yeah, they seem to be close enough. Okay. Well, for both generations of <clears throat> watches, both this year and last year, the funny thing is that even if I could be have some troubling differences in pace. The estimated calorie burn was always in roughly the same neighborhood mm -hmm. with the um, the Apple Watch versus whatever I was comparing it to. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting to me. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Good thanks, luck. Dana. So we're going to look for your full review later today. Hopefully today. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. And you, did you want to add anything? I was going to say that I'm not as hardcore of a runner as Dana, mm -hmm. but I have been running more lately. So I'm curious to see how it works. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll say, though, I think for a lot of people who 
aren't you know at your level doing marathons but are still want to be more active like it, they're not gonna have something to compare it to so as long as it's in that neighborhood right. it's probably and gonna be good enough for a lot of people i'm trying to i'm, I'm still finessing my review but that's yeah. one point i want to make that if you're just going for a casual jog and you're mm -hmm. running just to and you want something to control your music too maybe be active like make yourself thing, yeah. feel good that's good but if you're training <laughs> mm -hmm. and yeah. And the problem is that I feel like in Apple's marketing materials and its mm -hmm. promo videos, it does feature some people like me who look like they're really taking yeah. their yeah. sport seriously. But does the Nike version do anything different? What is different about that? It just has um, special bands okay. that are um, both sportier looking and um, lighter weight, a slightly mm -hmm. lighter weight and more breathable. They have um, a couple exclusive Nike watch faces with um, complications that go back to Nike's app, but you can always uh -huh. install um, Nike's app yourself as a third-party app mm -hmm. on the regular Series 2. But other than those things, um, mm -hmm. also the um, the Nike app on the Nike Watch um, responds to Siri commands, <laughs> which is unusual That's for cool. a third-party app on um, the Apple that. Watch. Yeah, But otherwise, it's basically a regular Series 2 watch with sporty bands and mm -hmm. some Nike stuff yeah. thrown in. Gotcha. All right. All right, let's move on to the group chat. Uh, this is just our general discussion about an ongoing news story. And uh, guys, I have to ask you, like, uh, I guess I would title this discussion, is that, a gal is that an exploding Galaxy Note 7 in your pocket? Or are you just, are you just happy to see me? That what? was really lame. Yeah. No, I thought that was good. Really? Dad jokes. You're on fire. Hashtag dad Totally on yeah. fire. But yeah, the Galaxy Note 7 has been kind of a disaster. <laughs> yeah. For, Samsung at this so point. So unfortunate. Samsung yeah. lost something like 20, how, how many millions of market value? Billions. Um, yeah, billions. 26 yeah. billion. Mm -hmm. Billions was, I mean, of market so value. When stock, when stock uh, you know, figures shift, that is a massive amount of money shifting. So it's kind of imaginary, but it's also like, yeah, real value. That's how investors look at these companies. But it's going to lose a lot of money having to replace all these Replace all these. Devices. Um, potentially people moving. I've seen a lot of people just saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to give up on this phone, maybe go to another Android phone, or maybe even go over to an iPhone altogether. It's just really weird sitting in the airport um, this week and hearing... You can't. Warnings, yeah, yeah, about specific models of the phones. Like, w this has never happened before. And even on New York City subways. Too. Even yep. on New York City subways. But, yeah, so, yeah, we haven't seen a product recall at this scale before. I know the, uh, the whole Honda. In the Honda, tech industry. <laughs> well, the Honda airbag <laughs> thing was kind of a big deal. The car industry has had a couple mm -hmm. issues, and those things also potentially endanger lives. Um, but people have been injured by these. Um, you know, who knows what happens if this explodes in a plane or something. Um, yeah, what is going on here, guys? Uh, so we heard about this when? The end of August? Yeah, so reports appeared? quick timeline. At the mm -hmm. end of August, uh, there's first some reports that Samsung was delaying some shipments to do additional testing. A couple days later, they officially stopped selling it, issued a voluntary recall. And since then, we've seen things like the FAA offering you know, its advisors in New York saying don't bring it on the subway. Mm -hmm. um, they're working with the Consumer Product Safety Commission now. For an official U.S. Right, recall. and that, yeah. that's happening. Um, actually, as of the 21st, they are now officially replacing them. So if you have one that you bought earlier, mm -hmm. you can get it replaced and now. And I saw there's a software update going out, too, so that for, they're limiting the battery life, um, right. so it only charges a certain point. Uh, because the issue is that, uh, I guess the newer, bigger batteries in the Note 7, they can overheat if it gets charged too quickly. Or I don't even know if they know the exact reason or at this point. overcharged Overcharged, yeah. yeah. And also the software update uh, says, like, if, if it knows you don't have a replaced phone, it'll say, like, you know, don't charge this phone, yeah. be careful with it, get us in for a and replacement. And I think the new phones, they have a, a yeah. colored battery yep. indicator that's yeah. green that shows so it's, it's okay. Yeah. It's really, we haven't seen a company go to this level to deal with a recall, but 
Do we have a sense of why this happened? Was it just because it was rushed? I think so. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like someone, uh, Bloomberg or uh, mm -hmm. one of those sites, uh, publications, published a story recently saying that they were, they heard that the iPhone 7 was not going to be that big of a change mm -hmm. and they wanted to sort of capitalize, press the advantage there. So they maybe rushed things or went a little further with uh, the capabilities of the Note 7. So I think specifically, and we're talking about the battery. It's got a 3,500 milliamp hour battery. We were really psyched about mm -hmm. the battery before we knew how, before you knew it was explosive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was a big, it was much larger than the previous year, I think by mm -hmm. 500 milliamp hours. And so those, like the notes are a, known for having very large batteries yeah. in general. So, But the, I yeah. think that they just, from an engineering perspective, were trying to do more than they could safely mm -hmm. with this battery. Um, I don't know about the, re the replacements. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're going to cut capacity or uh, they haven't talked about the safer that, thing to think. do. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, what the fallout of this is. Like, will Samsung just blame their battery manufacturer or will they, like, is it something to do with the fast charge technology? That's something Qualcomm's been pushing for years. Mm -hmm. And I think Samsung and a handful of other Android makers have been the ones actually taking advantage of it. Yep. But there's danger to that, too, because then you're pushing more voltage in. Anything related to power is dangerous, I guess. And it kind of shows, like, yeah, you have to be a little more careful. I mean, so first of all, Samsung should never even have let this happen. Mm -hmm. They should have been more careful with their checks and everything. But, yeah. I mean, looking at how they handled the recall, you know, looking at the timeline, it looks like they stopped selling the Note 7 two days after the first reports show up. Mm -hmm. I don't know how long ago before the um, first reports showed up that they've already known about this right. happening. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a quick turnaround time. But publicly, it seems they could have done it day mm -hmm. off. I feel like, mm -hmm. but two days isn't bad. Um, it and seems then they did fast. It was pretty fast did, yeah. for yeah for what it was. I'm still unclear on why the CPSC took, took so long, yeah. and mm -hmm. I don't think that makes Samsung look good, even though I don't think that's necessarily their fault. Their fault. I, I'm mm -hmm. still unclear on why there was such a big gap. That didn't that, that official recall mm -hmm. in the U.S. didn't happen until September yeah. 15th. I guess so. Samsung announced their recall. Maybe maybe there was some paperwork. I don't know. Maybe like they didn't know they had to go through. It's the government. The they always yeah. slow things down, right? But I almost feel yeah. also like they were trying to figure out if it was like mm -hmm. isolated incidents yeah. or is it like a line-wide def defect, right? Mm -hmm. So that, but that again is still a long delay for mm -hmm. for that. To so, be. what are you guys seeing, like in terms of have you talked to readers or other people who have been considering the Note Seven and kind of are moving away or anything? And where do you think Samsung is going to go from here? Because this is. People will remember this. Mm -hmm. This is going to be an ongoing joke for years. Oh, for real! Like yeah. the next Galaxy S phone that comes out, yeah. you know, you know, the the opening weekend sales just aren't going to be as good as they have been in the past, and it's really sad because Samsung was finally gaining some momentum against Apple this That's year. That's true. Yeah, and I like talked about this earlier, mm -hmm. like last week too. Um, you know, and the S7s are good phones. They're Very so good. good. Phones, yeah. The camera's still perhaps better or maybe better even than, on the par 6S, than the 6s for sure. Yeah, than, yeah, than the 6s, maybe even the 7. We'll have to see. Yeah. Um, but I think this, unfortunately, like, it just means Samsung really has to step it up next year, and they have to be, like, very open about their battery mm -hmm. tech in the mm -hmm. next announcement event. Mm -hmm. And hasn't Samsung always, I, I feel like they've generally been criticized for build quality as well, so maybe this is a and better sign. I think this is different than build quality. Yeah. Well, this is, like, technological underpinnings exploding. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It's different than, like, kind of plasticky phones, right? It, it all comes down to how you're manufacturing things and the care and the quality like, you're putting into to that. To your right? point, they yeah. have had another small little kerfuffle or, mm -hmm. or embarrassment <laughs> This year with the S7 Active not really meeting Consumer Reports' yes. uh, ratings for yes. waterproofness. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So it's their second thing this year in a year where they're supposed to be gaining steam. So, I mean, <laughs> as a person who's rooting for the Galaxy line, mm -hmm. I'm very disappointed. Yep. 
And as as someone who, if not writes reviews, edits all, yeah. all these reviews, I cringe anytime I see these because our job is to review these yeah. phones. And yeah. you know, the Note yeah. Seven I have yeah. to say was one of the highest scored products. We've since pulled the score and we have a disclaimer on our own mm. review. Mm-hmm. But um, on the one hand, we're testing these devices. And we don't, if they don't explode, we're not going to write <laughs> about, it, it, unless, you know, if, if we're testing them and nothing explodes, we're not going to write right. about an explosion. Right. Um, again, we've since updated the review, but um, I'm, I, I wonder, are we going to have to be a little more um, cautious more and a little more muted when we test future flagships? Mm-hmm. Try to explode them. Try to push them to <laughs> the I guess and you can only do so much, too, yeah. right? So, I mean, yeah. we're, we're like the second level of testing mm-hmm. for these phones before they really reach Right, consumers. we're not the primary yeah. layer of testing. So, we like, the onus isn't fully on us. There's not much that we can do beyond trying to be a real user to test these phones out. Um, but you're right that, like, in future... I mean, thank Lucky Star. Thank our, like, Lucky Star's mm-hmm. that... Velasco didn't, like, <laughs> get an exploding Note yeah. 7. Although, mm. huh. It would have made a great story. It's okay. I know Sherlyn really, really just hurt. wants to really erase Velasco. Hurt, yeah. What's popping? You know what uh, that guy needs in his life? Third degree burns. He does. I was just going to say, it's I think dark, guys. <laughs> you shouldn't listen to All this. Right. I was going to say that I think that this underscores battery tech in general. Oh, yes. The problems yeah. that we're having trying to make it better. Mm-hmm. Like, I... the battery life on my year old phone is just terrible right now and it's super frustrating but then you hear about things like exploding batteries and it's like man this is a really difficult challenge yeah. these companies have sort of painted for themselves the solution right now is to like cram in more density and that introduces power issues yeah. and heat issues right. we're talking about density we're talking about for fast sure. charging all these things mm-hmm. are making an unstable mm-hmm. thing more potentially unstable right anything else you guys want to add about the well, maybe seven? that should be mm-hmm. my last point was that maybe that should be the next frontier not thinner phones but <laughs> Better battery life, and Not I guess exploding better and safer battery life. Right. But it, it, I, I do wonder if there have been some misplaced priorities. Well, I feel like we say mm-hmm. this every year, right? Like we don't need the iPhone to be two millimeters thinner. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the size of the five S was totally fine, and the seven isn't thinner. So right, it's just yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, really quick, because we were talking about mm-hmm. whether we've seen anything like this before. I mean, exploding batteries have always been a thing with laptops yep. as well mm. in the past. It's just that people don't Dell carry them Dell had in their a whole pockets. thing, I remember, yeah, yeah, years ago. So this is like a much huger deal just because people mm-hmm. are carrying them around all yeah. the time. Okay, so, well, yeah. we will be following this issue for, for sure. sure. For I think for the foreseeable future, too. Yeah. It's, uh, this is uh, one of the more dramatic things to happen in the tech world for a long time. But uh, let's close it out. Uh, thank you for joining me, guys. Uh, I'm sorry I'm not Uncle Terry. But he'll I'm be glad. back next week. <laughs> Unc- Uncle Dev is just fine. yes. Not really. Uncle sure. Dev is not my favorite. I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, doesn't have the same ring to it. Well, where can we find you guys on the internet? Just if people want to follow you and your snark and your opinions. <laughs> Check out all my subtweets on at Sherlyn cool. Lowe. Okay. <laughs> I am at Dana Wallman on Twitter. That's my full name. No space. Um, be nice. <laughs> I'm at Nate Ingram on Twitter. Be as mean as you want. Just be me. Well, you also have the safety filter turned on, right? I do, yes. <laughs> so oh. you won't see Because I wrote about battle, Battlefield. Oy, uh, <laughs> I am at Devendra on Twitter. And uh, follow me there for also lots of talk about movies and stuff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, send any questions, complaints, suggestions about this podcast to podcastandgadget.com. Don't forget to read us on iTunes and uh, check out Engadget next week as we're updating our massive election guide following uh, the debates that's happening this week as well. Yep. And before we go, our comments of the week. How much for the Mohawk add-on? A How very much important question. Mm. Apple Makes pay you think. for it. 